Happy Friday and happy Easter weekend, my friends. Today's episode contains a trigger warning, since this episode contains topics involving sexual abuse, which may be distressing for some. If you need professional help, call 1-800-656-HOPE. You'll be connected to a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area. Alternatively, you can chat with a trained staff member online through online.rainn.org. Emberly Lago is a health coach and a keynote speaker. In May of 2010, she suffered severe injuries from a motorcycling accident that needed 34 surgeries to save her leg from amputation. By sharing her life story, experiences, and proven strategies, she inspires people to move through life with grit, motivation, and resilience. And she is also a dear and close friend, somebody that I really look up to and really admire. She is a true embodiment of what it means to live a life of resilience and radical love. Here's my conversation with Amberly Lago. My head will try to like tell me different things, but your gut never lies and your gut knows the way. And I've been trying to get better about slowing down my mind so I can listen to my body. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, which is uh, Radically Loved Radio. I almost grew up blank for a second. We are being joined by somebody very special, somebody I've been wanting to get on the show for a very long time. Uh, Amberly, thank you so much for being here. I I am smiling so big right now. My face hurts. This is this is honestly a freaking dream come true. Do you know how long, like I have dreamed about being on your show? I'm not even kidding. I freaking love you. And this is such an honor. So thank you for having me here to share with your amazing audience. Cause I know you just have such a beautiful tribe of people and I feel honored. They are, well, we are, the sentiment is absolutely mirrored back to you. Yeah. We have an incredible community. Everybody here is just, uh, so incredible. Like we are just so lucky to have had this community for, uh, how many years it's been? Let me see five, six, six. You've had your podcast for a while. Like you were one of the first I mean, I think I know not the first to have a podcast, but you've been doing this. You're like a pro at it. So I'm like, I want to be like Rosie. Mm, No, I don't know. I don't know that I'm a pro. I wouldn't say I'm a pro. I I've just, uh, I'm just, you are, uh, I'm like one of those humble about, I'm one of those. No, I, I just, I'm one of those people that just refuses to not let go of things. That's what it is. I am just committed to my resolve, which is actually one of the things that I really love about you and your story and 
your approach to things. I mean, it really is. So I'm always so inspired. I'm always so motivated. There's just something so warm and loving and, uh, just enthusiastic about you. And I just feel like anytime I'm around you or I've done a panel with you, or I've done anything with you or our mutual friend, Henry Amar, who we both are obsessed with and love so much. Um, I always just feel so uplifted. And I think it's such an important thing for people to have those types of people in your lives. And unfortunately for me, Amberly is uh, somebody that I personally know. I would consider her a friend and it doesn't have to be somebody, you know, I mean, there's people that you can follow that just inspire you. But I think one of the prerequisites in my life, especially since last year has been only surround myself with people that make me feel full, that make me excited, that motivate me to be a better version of myself, as opposed to following or being around people that are going to suck the energy out of you. Yes. Well, you know what? Thank you, Rosie. I feel the same about you. And actually, um, today was kind of a, it's just been a kind of struggle the last couple of days with a lot going on. And I couldn't wait to talk to you because every time I'm around you, I just like, oh, like I, I feel, you know what? I have to say from the moment I met you, it felt like home. I remember being at the Powerful You event And the first time I met you, I was really kind of almost starstruck a little bit with you because I admired and respected your work and all that you do so much. And I remember seeing you backstage and you came up and you gave me the biggest hug. And I was like, oh my God, Rosie's hugging me. And you just have that way about you. You just make people feel loved and special and it's genuine and it's authentic. And so during this time, yeah, it sure is important to surround yourself with people who uplift you and inspire you. And I tell you what, I think the universe, when I say, Oh, I got to get better about setting my boundaries, like healthy boundaries. That is when I have, I will be tested and the universe will like throw things my way nonstop. My phone will start blowing up my email. It's crazy, but not (laughs) as a way to say, okay, Amberly, here's your chance to test those healthy boundaries. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know? Yes. I mean, what is your experience? What, I mean, just, there's so many different things I want to talk to you about. What, what is your experience? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I've recently had to reevaluate uh, a few relationships in my life, uh, that I realized, you know, this whole outgrowing friendships or outgrowing Mm -hmm. people in your life is a true thing that happens. And I think it's important for us to really assess that. And just because we're on this topic, um, identifying what those things are for yourself can be very tricky. So I recently had this experience where there's a, a person that I've been friends with for a really long time, many years. And, um, I just felt that the relationship was very asymmetrical. It felt, it started to feel very, uh, like there wasn't any, and, and there are times where sometimes you are the giver, you're the receiver in a relationship. It happens like that Mm -hmm. with romantic relationships, with, um, with friendships, but it just felt like over the course of the last 
five years, it's been just one-sided and I'm a very patient person. I'm a very giving person. And it just seemed like, I don't know that this is, this is going to ever equal out. And I finally had to have a conversation with them and say, um, I think I need some time because this feels very, this isn't feeding me. This isn't helping me. This is actually causing me a lot of anxiety and stress. And I'm sure nobody likes to hear that. And I was a lot more gentle in how I said it. Um, but it doesn't bring any bearing on how I actually feel about the person because I love this person very much, but I just can't have them in my life right now. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yes, that makes sense. And I had to have a difficult conversation and I have a lot of patience, but, um, I think for me, um, I can tell sometimes you fool yourself and you're like, oh no, they're really a good friend and I enjoy seeing them. But I know if somebody in my life is, um, if it's like an, a, a giving, loving, healthy relationship, or if it's somebody I look forward to seeing to just by the way, if I see their name pop up on my phone and if my first reaction is, oh my God, it's Rosie. Oh my God, Rosie's texting me. Or if it's, oh God, what do they want? Yeah, I know. Like, I just, I feel like my head will try to like tell me different things, but your gut never lies and your gut knows the way. And I've been trying to get better about slowing down my mind so I can listen to my body. And I always feel better. Like I'm really, um, I like friendships where you can be totally upfront and honest. I like people to give it to me straight. Like, even if it's going to be hard for me to hear, I, I want to learn and grow and know how I screwed up and how I can make it better. Um, but I recently had to have a conversation where I had to let go of a client and it, it, it was just too much and it was out of my scope. It was not something that I was practiced in dealing with, you know, like mental disorders that a therapist should handle. And it got really tricky and I'm really nice until like, it comes to the point where I have to really stand my ground. And then like my husband says, Oh, I don't want you to go Texas on me. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I try to have those conversations before the Texas comes out and it gets ugly. But I think that communication, like, first of all, knowing your values and is it in alignment with what your values are? And if it's not, then you have to ask yourself. And also I think it really helps if you do have those people, those solid people in your life, you know, your, your go-to person who you trust with everything and you kind of use them as a sounding board and say, Hey, this isn't feeling right. Am I kind of crazy right now? Or is this, does this seem not right to you? Um, and then I also, I always say, get rid of the doggy downers and stick with the puppy uppers. And then sometimes my, um, husband will say, Amberly, you need to follow your own advice and get rid of that doggy downer, get rid of that doggy downer. And he's the kind of person he can just like cut someone off. Once he's done, he's done. And for me, I'm just like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I can't hang out, but you know, but it's, I think it gets easier to do. 
as for me anyway, it gets easier to do when your schedule just doesn't allow the time for, for any of that nonsense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I don't have time for that drama. Like it's a, it's a perspective shift where it's like, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, communication as hard as it is always feels better when you're done just saying how you feel and being truthful in the situation and getting it over with. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Last year, you all know that I took the reins back on my health and Athletic Greens has been a keystone to making that happen. I've been using Athletic Greens over the last year in my smoothie every morning. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. All of that combined is designed to fill any nutritional gaps in your diet. Not only has this increased my energy levels, but it's also helped my immune system overall. It's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during this crazy time. They're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Basically, you'll never have to buy vitamin D ever again. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash loved and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash loved and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs today. And now back to our show. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yes, I 100% agree. You said something so so key. And I, I want to pull that string a little bit. You, you're talking about our gut knowing and really having that sense, that connection, because I 100% agree with you. There's so much, uh, you know, for, for me growing up, trusting my gut was never, uh, something that I learned because I was always trained as a, Catholic person, Catholic child that you have to obey the rules that you have to do as you're told that you have to, you know, be polite and be courteous and, you know, be a a good person. Not to say that any of those things are bad, but when you're, when you, your own value system is being tried or you're not wanting to do something or somebody's asking you to do something and And it doesn't feel right. And you know, it but you question it. Yes. Because I grew up the same way. I mean, in the Bible belt and, you know, sexually abused by my stepfather. And he, it was like, this obviously does not feel right. And he'd say, no, this is right. This is how fathers teach their daughters. This is right. So I learned at a really young age to not only not trust my gut, but then also you don't say anything about it. Like don't Mm. be a burden. Don't cause any problems. Hide your crazy and be a lady like, and, you know, pretend everything's okay. But on the inside, you're like, this does not feel right. So it's taken me a long time and I'm still learning to listen and trust my gut. Is that hard 
for you sometimes to yeah. like listen and trust your Oh, gut? absolutely. I mean, even I feel like I've gotten better, but I mean, that having a traumatic experience like that is, is really intense because there's that cognitive dissonance, right. That's happening where you have somebody that's your authority that's mm -hmm. doing something that is innately, uh, doesn't feel right, but then they're telling you that it is. So there's this not knowing, I mean, yeah, there's such a, such a hard thing. I mean, I got myself in some really terrible situations when I was younger and yeah, I was not, I, I feel like that's one of the, the things that as children, you really need to sort of teach as, as the number one, uh, sort of framing light to look for, Hey, what does your body feel like? How's your body reacting? How did that, how long did it take for you to finally like say something when the abuse was happening? Like, and how did that help shape your, because I look at you as somebody that's really empowered, that says what they want, that it's like, you are this like go-getter, you're motivating, you're positive. Like, and I know that you've openly spoken about, you know, being in the the highs and lows. And, and I'd love for you to share with the, the people listening, if they don't know your story, a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the events that kind of led you to this path, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to start back when you were able, when were you finally able to express the abuse was happening? Like what, what that entailed? Well, I was so little, you know, and first of all, I, I love that you said, I think we should teach our children to really honor that. And let me tell you, um, you know, my husband being a cop, his gut, his, I'm always like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? How did you, how could you read that person so quick? How did you know they were like that before you even got to know them really? And he's like, I've been a cop my whole life. It's what kept me alive. And Ruby, our 12 year old, let me tell you, she has a very, like she knows right away. Like, you know, it's been, there's some shady areas here in Woodland Hills. Yes. And when we're out riding our bike, she's got like that super spidey sense, like her dad for sure. And she can spot someone like a hundred feet away or yards away and <laughs> like far. And she's already like, Oh, we're going the other way. Like she's unbelievable. And you know what? She's really good with animals. I think that's one of the reasons that makes her such a good horseback rider. Cause she's very in tune with her feelings and her gut. So I just love that you said that. And I think it is so important for kids to have that. And for me, when I, every, so when both my daughters, I have an older daughter who's 25 and then Ruby, who's 12 and both of them, when they were age eight, I went through like this triggered thing. Um, mm. And I didn't realize it, but it was because I, they were the age that I was, I was eight years old when the abuse started to happen and something like this mama bear protective thing came over me. Like, and I think I just wanted to kind of protect the, my inner child or something. I don't know, but it, both of them, when they hit eight, it, the same thing happened. But when I was eight, it started happening and I didn't tell anybody because he was scary and he was big. And he said that he, he had a gun collection and a knife collection. And he was like this army drill sergeant guy. And 
was prepared for the end of the world. He was one of those guys mm. who had enough ammo and yeah. water and food. And, and he was psycho and he told me he would kill my mom wow. and I believed him. And so, um, finally, by the time I was about 13, I got up enough courage to tell my dad, which took a lot of courage. I think I was about 13 and I told my dad and I said, dad, you have to promise not to tell anyone because he said he would kill mom, but this is what's been going on. And my dad didn't do anything like mm. I was, that was a cry for help. Yeah. And, um, it was the hardest thing to write about in my book because I didn't want to hurt my dad. I didn't want to hurt my, my mom. My stepdad has passed away. Um, but since I wrote about that in the book, it has really healed my relationship with my dad fully. Like we've been able to openly discuss, discuss it. And he's like, I am so sorry. He goes, you made me promise not to tell. And I was like, but I didn't mean that. But yeah. right. <laughs> the thing that it really taught me was at that time, I was like, then I'm going to have to just fend for myself. I got to take care of myself. And I became very self-reliant. So one day my stepdad came into my room and he threw me on the bed and he grabbed me by the hair and threw me down and I need him. And I kicked him and I punched him as hard as I could. And the look on his face was like, Oh shit, she's gotten bigger. And she's actually trying to beat me up. Like, and he just looked at me and he left the room. And that was the last time that he ever laid a hand on me. I still didn't feel safe. Um, I still didn't want to be home because of the things he would say. Like he would have his, you know, my mom would be doing the dishes and we'd be at the kitchen table and his back would be to her. And he would look at me and say, you just wait till your mom leaves. And I would just be like the fear that, so I lived in a constant state, state of fear yeah. of, of fear and, and didn't want to have any friends over. Cause I was afraid he would go after one of my friends. Um, and if I did have friends over, we would go in the door and straight to my room and then go from my room back outside, you know, and, um, my mom didn't find out about the abuse until I moved to LA and I was married and I was in a very abusive relationship, um, mentally, physically. I mean, the cops came, this isn't something I share a lot just because I don't want to hurt my, my daughter. If she ever, you know, hears me talking about it and, but she's older now, she's 25. And, um, but anyway, he had done about all he could do. He had cheated on me. He had taken all my money. He had beat me. He had called me names. There was nothing left to do, really. He couldn't hurt me anymore. I was kind of numb to all the names he had called me and all that. And he was, I'd only confided in two people and told, you know, two people about this abuse. And I told him what had happened because in the middle of the night, I didn't realize, but he would, he worked late at nights and he would come home and try to wake me up. And I would jump up like I was ready to fight him. And he would get so angry at me. And I finally had to tell him, well, look, there were so many times when I was little that in the middle of the night, my stepdad would sneak in my room. And I guess I still have like a lot of fear. I didn't have any therapy or anything to help me get through that. And so he got really upset. So I admitted to him what was, what had happened, thinking maybe he would be understanding or consoling. Well, 
he actually called my mom. Now my mom did not know about this abuse. He called my mom and he said, do you know what your husband did to my wife? And I was just, I was like, Oh my God. And she calls me and she said, well, Amberly, is that what happens? Is this true? And I said, yeah, mom, it's true. And she went and I was always afraid that he would deny it. I didn't want to hurt my mom. I was afraid he would deny it. She went back and my mom is the sweetest, like Southern belle. She's like the sweetest lady you'll ever meet in your life. And she said that she went and she, he was asleep on the couch and she went and she punched him as hard as she could. And she was like, well, uh, I just talked to Amberly and I know, is it, is it true? And he looked and he kind of looked down. She goes, well, I guess it is then. And he, she got on a plane the next morning and flew out to see me in California. When she got back, he was gone. That was the last time she ever saw him. He left her with a, you know, handicapped child, another young child, my half um, brother and sister, thank goodness, who were never abused and didn't never paid child support, left her. And he actually, you know, I used to have these feelings of, oh my gosh, maybe he's, he's around here somewhere. You know, he ended up living about an hour away from Woodland Hills and um, he actually passed away. He died of testicular cancer. Can you believe that? And I think what really helped me get through that is, you know, finally talking about it, finally my mom knowing um, and I remember I went to a therapist finally, and I, it was cause I was going through a divorce and, and I went how, to, a how therapist. old were you? Oh my gosh. I was probably 25, 26. Okay. And, um, I said, oh yeah, but no, 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 no. I, but I've handled all that. And she started asking me questions and everything she asked me, I was like, oh, well, I realized I had not dealt with it at all. Like I had done, I I had done nothing but run from it, stuff it down, try to, you know, and that's, I had turned my, my coping mechanism when that happened was, well, I'm just going to be an overachiever and I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to be class president. I'm going to, you know, choreograph for the drill team and the cheerleading squad and the drama. And I'm going to be, I was Miss Greenville High School and actually, you know, honor student. And that was my way of feeling better was to do something productive. And I lived at the dance studio. So I danced because that made me feel good to dance. I, I ran track and I got better at running because man, that running was fueled by, by fear and anger and when I would win, it made me feel stronger and more confident. So the more I felt that way, the harder I ran. And then I set a state record in Texas for running the fastest mile. And it was like, I did all these things. And I was like, I can't wait to get out of Texas. I'm going to make something of my life. And I came out to California and I didn't realize I had been running from so much of it until I was stuck in a hospital bed. And I think, what really healed that and in the middle of writing my book when it really was like, holy cow, this is cathartic, which I know you've been writing and I'm like, it's very cathartic. It's and you things that you thought you dealt with by 
confronting it, by confronting the person who did it, by um, talking about it to other women you trust, by going to therapy, by reading books. But when you write about it, it's like, whew, it, it's, it was one of the most healing things I've ever done. And so um, it was hard, yeah. but it, it's, I can talk about it with no shame. And, you know, I know that when I first got my book back, you know, you get the, the galley. they send you the, the galley and you look and my husband looks at the back and he goes, wait a minute. Do you know they put on here sexual abuse survivor? Uh, you need to talk to them about that. I said, well, honey, it's in the book. Maybe you should read the book. I'm going to talk about it. And my, my mom really had a hard time with it. You know, she's like, she said, Amberly, can you please write? If I would have known, I would have done something about it. And I said, mom, I know you would have, but this isn't a book about coulda, woulda, shoulda. This is about, <sighs> this is what happens. And it's really up to us to choose what we're going to do with our life, no matter what our circumstances are. Yeah. We don't have to walk with our head held down. You know, we don't have to let that shame weigh us down. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, thank you for writing about that because that, that happened to me too. You know, like moms at school at first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pushing sin to the publisher. This is going to be it. All those PTA moms are going to know. And can I tell you, when we shine the light on shame, it's like, yeah, that happened. And it happens to a lot of people. And we got to start talking about it. Like when you shine that light on shame, that shame can't survive it, you know? And then you meet other people because a lot of times, you know, you feel like you're, you're the only one going through that horrible experience, but then you realize there are so many people that who have been through something so similar and you're not alone. And I think that helps too, just knowing you're not alone. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest thing, especially in, uh, you know, this, this, self-development community, the spiritual community, you know, this wellness community, it's such an important thing to be seen and to be heard. And so much of what you said, I mean, I, again, I, the people that are listening to this now get why I, I love you so much and why I'm so inspired by you. I mean, it's, it really takes so much courage to be able to talk about really hard things that have happened in the past. Um, and, and yes, writing it is such a cathartic thing. You know, that was, that was going to be my next question is how much of this stuff was coming out for you. I know that for me writing it was, I had to write everything and, and keep telling myself I can take it out later. Like I can always take it out, you know, I'll, I'll take it out. Or if I, it feels a little too, if it feels a little too real, then I'll take it out. But then I was like, well, that's the whole point is to be real and to be honest. How are you going to take out the parts that are the most raw, that are the most real? Those are the parts that people will relate to the most because they have the, sim the same experiences. This episode is brought to you by 
by optimizers. Most gut health supplements include all the same old ingredients packed into capsules. But what if there was a breakthrough gut repair supplement that had a new patented ingredient that tasted great and came in a powder form so that you can just add it to your water, add it to coffee, or your favorite smoothie? Well, guess what? That gut repair supplement exists, and it's called Leaky Gut Guardian. Not only does it include powerful probiotics and prebiotics, but it also includes a patented one-of-a-kind ingredient called IGY Max. IGY Max is an egg-based protein that enhances gut health, reverses damage caused by antibiotics, and even helps with immunity threats. I don't think I'm overstating the case when I say that IGY Max is one of the most powerful gut nutrients ever discovered, and it's in every serving of Leaky Gut Guardian. By taking Leaky Gut Guardian daily, you'll eliminate bad bacteria, feel the good bacteria, and repair your gut lining and build up your immunity all at the same time. Now here's the fun part. Leaky Gut Guardian comes in two delicious flavors, vegetarian vanilla and chocolate carnivore. The chocolate one's my favorite. And just like it sounds, Bioptimizer's vegetarian vanilla flavor is a vegetarian formula. The chocolate carnivore flavor, on the other hand, is an enhanced formula that includes collagen and bone broth for additional gut healing and anti-aging benefits. Leaky Gut Guardian is easy to add into your daily routine and it could completely transform both your gut health and your immunity. So you experience fewer gut problems, less gas and bloating, and even less sickness. Simply add one scoop of the vegetarian vanilla or the chocolate carnivore to your favorite beverage, a coffee, smoothie, or even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, it tastes delicious, and you'll be helping repair your gut health with powerful prebiotics, probiotics, and the patented IGY Max protein. So what are you waiting for? Repair your gut health and power up your immunity today by trying Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free at leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved and use radically loved 10 to receive 10% off of any order. You have 365 day money back guarantee. That's leakygutguardian.com forward slash radically loved. And now back to our show. You know, can you, can you just tell everybody, because I know how you wrote the book. Can you tell them everybody that you actually wrote the book? Yes. (laughs) Well, that's the thing because every time I would try to type it, I was like, oh, uh, this has to be perfectly typed and it has to be the paragraphs have to be aligned and it, I couldn't write. I just couldn't write. So I, I hand wrote my entire book. Um, and then, so I originally started to try to write my book and I didn't even own a computer. And um, people are like, you want to write a book, girl, you're like some fitness girl. You don't sit at a desk. You don't even have a desk. You don't read books. Like, who are you to write a book? You don't even have a college education. Good luck with that. And so I was like, okay, well, that's my motivation. So I just started handwriting my whole book and something comes out differently. I had the same approach. Like, I can take it out later if I choose to take it out later. I'm just going to keep writing. I'm going to keep writing and I'll put it all together later. And then I had about three quarters of the book done and I went to the Apple store and bought a computer. And then I had to, you know, sign up for a class to learn how to use it. You know, I, my, my husband had a PC and I remember one day asking him, I had to send an email with a picture and I didn't even know how to do that because I didn't run my business with a computer. So I was never on a computer. I spent my whole life on the dance floor and then the gym floor. And I remember one day he was in the garage and I was like, honey, I, can you help me with this? I don't know how to attach this picture to this email. 
And this is only about five years ago, by the way. And so, <laughs> I mean, this is not that long ago. And so he's like, oh, I have to help you again. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go buy a computer. I'm going to go take a class. I'm going to figure this shit out, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I went and, and at the Mac store, when I signed up for the free class, like they were like, oh, anybody, any questions? And I was like, yeah, me. Yeah, me again, me again. And he was like, uh, I just have to say, we've never had anybody that was so, you know, not scared and to ask questions. Most people feel stupid for asking questions. And I'm like, not me. I really need to learn how to do this. And I'm on a mission. So I need to know. So I'm not afraid to ask questions. And this is really helpful. So yeah, I'm going to keep asking questions. And, and that's a thing. Like, I think sometimes people might feel too proud, like, oh, I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to ask about that. I mean, I've been there before where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to ask that question because everybody else seems to already know it except for me. Um, but I typed my book up and the whole process was so cathartic. And I ended up taking oh, thousands of words out. I had the editor. Wow. Um, I said, you know what? I just can't add those parts in. I just, I'm not ready to add that in. And he's like, the editor was like, if you keep taking stuff out, there's not going to be a story. Like there's going to be no story. It's just going to be, hi, I'm Amberly Lago and the end, like you can't, but he said, okay, I tell you what, you go to bed tonight and you sleep on it. And if you feel like there's something in the book that you wouldn't be able to go to bed at night without feeling bad about it, then we'll take it out. And so that helped me. Yeah. To have that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To have that out, but it is very cathartic. And you know, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was write that book because it's a process of writing um, the process of publishing it. And then you think, Oh, the hard part's over. And then it's like, oh, I was supposed to have a marketing plan for this. Like, oh, clueless. Like, wow. so I learned along the way how, you know, to market and totally winged it. And I remember um, I got asked to go interview with Megan Kelly on the Today Show and the day that my book was launching. So you know, I had a pretty small, I think I had, I started when I got um, a publisher for my book, I had about 400 followers on Instagram and they had told me, we don't do any marketing for you. So if you want people to know about your book, then you're going to have to do that. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't really know how to do that. So let me figure this out. And so I started trying to figure out how to use Instagram. I mainly had an account so I could stalk my oldest daughter and see what she was up to. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, if I want to get serious about this, I have to really start. And so I did. And I started posting every day. Like I made time in my day to post when it worked for my schedule. And that happened to be at like six or six 30 in the morning before the rest of the house woke up, before I went to work before, you know, yeah. and, um, 
And to this day, like that's still the, about the time that I post. And it's, it's weird because if I, t- if I post at like a different time, I don't have as much engagement. Cause I think, you know, you find your, your time and then you keep it consistent and you stay persistent and then slowly and surely things come along. But when I launched my book on the today show, it was a number one bestseller um, in a category. And then in one category for self-esteem, and you better believe I took a picture of this. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it was <laughs> Dr. Brene Brown, my book, and then Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I was like, my idols. And I knew it wouldn't be there for long. So I took a picture of it and I'm like, Oh my God. But I just share that the really, the only reason I share that is because there's so many people that want to write a book. I know somebody's listening right now. I, I know who you are. You're listening and you're hearing me right now. And this is your sign to write your book because you never know whose life you're going to impact by sharing your wisdom or your story or, you know, your journey. Um, and I think that you all have, you know, everybody has this purpose and this message and the world can, that needs to learn from it. And so I think it's so important that I, I share kind of how I wrote my book and that, you know, I had so many naysayers to keep, going, tapping into your why, why you want to write the book. And my why was I really wanted so badly to show people that they could heal, that they could overcome adversity, that they could turn their shame to grace, that they could turn their cans into cans. And so I just kept tapping into that. And like, if one person can benefit from reading this, then it's going to turn my pain to purpose. And so it gives me strength and joy when I get messages back from people who read it and they're like, thank you. You, you know, you gave me a reason to keep going. And so if somebody like me who didn't even know how to attach a picture to an email, like five years ago, can write and publish a book and get on the today show, I'm telling you anything is possible. So write your book. Here's your sign. Do it. Oh, I love, I love that so much. So everybody listening, I mean, what great, what great words of wisdom and advice. And as I said, now you guys uh, can be as obsessed with Amberly as I am. Um, I love thank you. you. So- <laughs> thank you so much. I'm, I'm just uh, looking at the time and I know we need a, we need a wrap, but I, again, am so constantly just inspired by your, your way of showing up, uh, you know, you, you're completely honest in raw posts on Instagram. I mean, you're so open. You really are an open book. I mean, what you see is what you get. And I really, I love that. It's such an inspiring thing to aspire to. So thank you so much for always being that and for being so supportive and for being a part of this radically loved community. I mean, we really love you so, so much, Amberly. Oh, I'm not kidding. I, this is truly a dream come true for me. I'm not kidding. I'm so grateful to be here and um, so, so honored to be, um, I love your community and I've, I've been, I've been following you on Instagram for the longest time. <laughs> and when I finally got to meet you at the event at powerful, you, I was like, Oh, 
I get to meet Rosie. Okay, that's it. I'm like, all right, you guys, this is, uh, I know we're having a total love fest. I have one, a final question for you uh, before we wrap. And I know that this is just the first conversation of many. I, I want to continue these conversations with you. And I know the audience is really going to respond. And uh, for those of you listening, please go get Amberly's book and listen to her podcast. Uh, it is really just, if you liked this conversation, you will love hearing her speak. And I just love Amberly's voice. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she's oh like, my God. I love you. And y'all listen to Rosie's interview on my podcast. Oh yeah. Yes. That's <laughs> coming up you guys. I'm not doing many interviews until the book comes out early next year, but I will be on Amberly's podcast. So definitely Woo-hoo. check that out. Um, also before we conclude, uh, if people want to uh, reach out to you, where can they go for more information and let the audience know what the name of your book is? Yeah. Um, you can reach out to me at amberlylago.com or just email me at amberly at amberlylago.com. Um, you can also text me at 818-214-7378. Um, I love, I love hanging out and talking to people. So please keep in touch. Let me know that you heard my message here. And um, then I hang out on Instagram a lot and you can see some of the behind the scenes, crazy <laughs> stuff that my daughter and I do. And yeah, so Instagram is Amberly Lago Motivation. My podcast is True Grit and Grace, where you can hear beautiful Rosie's interview. And my book is also called True Grit and Grace. And you can get that um, I don't know if people are crazy about Amazon these days, but you can get it at Barnes and Noble. Amazon is always like the easiest to go or, to. Yeah. We will put the links to all of those uh, links, links to all of the links. Uh, Amberly's social media handles and her website, including where you can buy her book and listen to her podcast on the info button of this particular podcast. Or if you're watching the video, it will be in the description below. So be sure to check those out. So the final question for you, Amberly, it pertains to this podcast. And it's all about uh, why I wanted to create this podcast in the first place is because I believe that we are all radically loved, supported by God, source, whatever higher power of your understanding that the universe works for us and not against us. So knowing that or believing that at whatever capacity you do, how do you feel radically loved? Uh, with God, for sure. I mean, I think for a long time, um, when I was going through the hardest moments of my life, I had kind of started numbing out and drinking a little bit too much and kind of cut that connection off. And since I've been sober, by the grace of God, it'll be five years on March 13th um, that I have had the connection to my higher power, which I call God. And it allows me to never feel alone. It allows me to always feel loved and supported. And so I get my love from God first. And then of course I have um, beautiful family, my husband and two kids who love me most of the time and beautiful friends like you. And I just, I feel like Love is just pow- the most powerful thing in the world. It really is the most powerful thing in the world. And it allows us to heal and grow and connect. And so um, I'm just, I love you. I love you. I radically love you. 
<laughs> I radically love you. I radically love you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start saying that instead of I love you. I radically love you. I radically love you. For everybody that's watching or listening to this, we radically love you too. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Amberly, again, you are just a true inspiration. What a, what a, what an icon. I love you. You're so sweet. I love you. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.